Welcome to Feminist Without Mystique, a podcast where we process politics, sex, and the unrelenting firehose of bullshit in the news through an unapologetically feminist lens. Each week we begin by venting about the news, go deep on one important issue, call out terrible things happening below the top headlines in a segment called We See You, and then we will end with something hopeful. And just a reminder, if you are enjoying us, to recommend us to your your friends and your colleagues, your family, your you know, whoever, whoever's involved in your life and follow us on the social medias as well. Uh, Instagram, Feminists Without Mystique, Twitter, FWM Podcast. Um, Feel free to shoot us a a DM and let us know your your thoughts and your feelings. It really feels like um, we are careening super fast off a cliff with a ball of fire surrounding us and snakes and spiders just like they're there heels yeah they're present and they're engaged um it's and it's felt like this to different degrees and in different ways for a long time but i will say it feels more and more like i'm peeking into (laughs) like a movie like a a movie film about an era yeah rather than witnessing the realities of uh, life at this moment in time, whether it be globally, internationally, or, you know, domestically. Plenty of uh, awful shit to go around, <laughs> and it uh, feels like we've been careening quite quickly for quite some, quite some time. Yeah, yeah. So everything is bad, almost Ooh. every single thing, and... Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, in addition to having just like a pile of we see use, because I do feel like there is a note that I have that's ongoing. Like if there's ever if we ever get to a Monday, Tuesday recording and I'm sort of like, well, what's a we see you or do I need an extra we see you? <laughs> no, you have on a huge list of we see use. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so, yeah, all of that's a bummer. And um, specifically late breaking news from today that kind of really made me sad. Gilbert Gottfried? Yes. Okay. Gilbert Gottfried. We didn't even talk about this before. We, no. In our pre-chat. That was sad. Um, it was sad. Yeah. Gilbert Gottfried, sad. Ali Wong divorcing her husband, sad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then oh, there was something else that was kind of like not genocide sad, like light sad by those comparisons. Yeah. yeah um, we're, we're sort of warming up. <laughs> it's a uh, lot. Okay. Yeah, with celebrity divorce, <laughs> it is sad though. Although Ali Wong in her last um, stand-up special, I, I recall talking about how much she wanted to like cheat on her husband, um, yeah. like hotties in Hollywood. So I don't know like the details of their split. I know they said that they're going to continue to like lovingly co-parent, which is wonderful, um, and wish them both the best. But you know, maybe now she can pursue those she wants to pursue, and he can do the same, and. You know, they'll lovingly parent their kid and everyone can uh, can be happy. Yeah. And I mean, he got his uh, his Harvard debt paid for. So mm-hmm. hey. <laughs> exactly. No one's no one's coming out a loser, you know, and a, a relationship is not a failure just because it ends. I remember Dan Savage telling me many years ago. Yeah. <laughs> not yes. telling me specifically, but speaking directly. never answered my emails. <laughs> <laughs> literally Uh. (laughs) oh my gosh cool yeah and there was also a terrifying um cool yeah also (laughs) (laughs) 
was just thinking, oh, what else today that was seemed specifically like Karini um, mm-hmm. would be that situation in the subway in Sunset Park in Brooklyn. Thankfully, it looks like even though 10 people were shot, no one has died. Yeah, I think there are maybe five people in critical condition, um, but no one has died. Yeah, but the person is still at large, but hopefully yeah. they will catch this person. I feel like they will. Quite scary. And like they threw like smoke bombs on the subway. Yeah. So that's happening. As <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, and there was, yeah, there was a shooting in Sacramento. Um, oh, I think God. that was last week. Mm-hmm. Plenty of, again, plenty of domestic uh, Domestic <laughs> issues. problems. Yeah. Um, they did, there was a, there's some progress on the the banning of like the ghost gun thing that I don't know enough about to actually talk about so I should have brought it up but I saw a headline that I didn't click because I was clicking on the bad headlines about uh, I remember there being a thing around this like the way to like sneakily manufacture or sell guns I'm not, again not right. sure yeah I mean... so working on new regulations there is a good uh, good thing and this has been something that he's talked about before which is why I vaguely remembered it existing um <laughs> Yeah. So good. Well, that's good. That feels like, again, sort of why are you allowed to manufacture guns without serial numbers? Like, what's, what are we doing anyway? But of course. The right to bear arms, Maria. Right. Lest you forget. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Well, I think we've um, been dawdling. Have we been pussyfooting around as I Googled? <laughs> What's a ghost uh, weapon? Uh, why, would, yeah. why don't we look that up? Yeah, hmm. like, let's take our time there. Um, I was going to, I was like, oh, maybe there's something with the Kardashians because they have like a new show. I mean, it's the same show. They do. It's on Hulu now, though, and I am curious. Yeah, I am curious, too. You know? Yeah. And she did, uh, Kim Kardashian did allude to Big, uh, big Dick Energy, BDE, with Pete Davidson. Oh, she did. I mean, I she kind did. of assume because, like, People, I mean, he's not Yeah, that at this funny. point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he makes you feel like you're a little bit cool, you know, if you hang. I mean, Maybe. I know that I he would not make me feel cool. Like, not because of him, but because, like, if the two of us were in a room, like, I would feel well, so he smokes, uncool. He smokes so much weed, too. Like, I... Right, it and that's just like, never been my... Yeah, ever since you were poisoned. That was I, the hands of you. <laughs> sure, but it was Graham's fault. You so and Graham. Are. Also, all right. it's a 50-50 split. Enough pussyfooting around. <laughs> Okay, Ukraine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we, I mean, I literally, I, we, we're like laughing, but we're really, truly, genuinely not laughing at Ukraine. We're laughing at our own um, attempts to avoid discussing it because it is so terribly heartbreaking and awful. And it sounds like you had a similar experience, but I've, since it started, I've been listening to the news, watching news about it every day and like crying most days about it mm-hmm. um and the stories that i hear and the people's lives they hear about and that's why we were pussyfooting around getting into it not because you know we're like haha we want to talk about this but because it's a really um 
devastating thing that when you spend any amount of time thinking about or researching, um, if you have any like dose of humanity in your body, you start to feel a certain certain kind of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a great way to put it. Um, it definitely it. I have it on in the background in terms of, and I feel like it's such a uh, privilege to sort of feel like, okay, it's on in the background when I'm making, you know, coffee in the morning and kind of getting the latest updates. Um, but really kind of engaging with the atrocities has been, it really takes the wind out of you. And it's hard to, I think, proceed. Sometimes we we get used to a certain level, I think, of, of violence. Um, and it seems like one thing that kind of freaks me out is feeling like this is something where when they t- when I hear in the news that it's discussed as like oh this war could be going on for months maybe even years it's like this is just something that's so should never be normalized and we should never get used to like this level of death this level of human rights atrocities committed every day and mm-hmm. I you know makes me despair that uh there's not more that the international community either. I, I understand why there's a hesitancy to get directly involved and it's to spare more lives, but it's it's really hard to feel like there's such intentional um, inaction. Yeah, definitely. And there's been, um, there've been a lot of sanctions. I think Europe has gone through five rounds of sanctions. I don't, I'm not sure where we're at. There are certain ways that certain sanctions can be kind of ran around, but mm-hmm. for the most part, um, sanctions have been, I mean, it's hard to say that they're effective when, when there's no change happening. Right. Um, but there have been strong sanctions. Russia's close to defaulting, first time in like a century. So th- there are things that are being done. You know, ammunitions are be have been sent and, and things like that. But what Ukraine really wants is, and what Zelensky has asked for, is a no-fly zone over Ukraine. The fear there is that that will start the next world war because if you know, for instance, the U.S. institutes this no-fly zone and Russia flies, um, Mm -hmm. then they basically started war with the United States. And Putin has never been um, a reasonable man, um, but Mm -hmm. people, as you mentioned in our last discussion around this, close to him have, or who know him, um, who have engaged with him, have spoke to the fact that he's always been a certain kind of way that seems inherent to who he is, but lately it feels like he's lost grip with any kind of rationality. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I understand when you're dealing with that person, not wanting to make a move that now there's a new headed towards the United States. But when we're, you know, I feel like we both grew up learning about the Holocaust and being really, really, really taught rightfully so about the Holocaust. And this is a, different situation but it involves um slaughter of civilians of people who did nothing wrong have no involvement in the war and so it's hard to kind of look at this and and wonder how does the country that we live in help enough without getting us into it how do you know what what do we do what does the country do what is right you know what is to are we doing enough um, because it's, we are seeing, we'll, we'll get into it, not to another thing that I think we want to mention at the top is that, um, we've seen and heard a lot of really, really, really graphic, um, really, uh, disturbing imagery 
Um, and I think we both agree that there is a place for that in the reporting around war um, because we need to know <laughs> what war means as human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, we're not, we're going to talk about what's been going on honestly and frankly, but we're not going to get into super graphic details um, because if you want, if you have a thirst to find out exactly what, what those are, you can look it up. And for people who just want to know what's going on, mm-hmm. it's going to be depressing and graphic enough without um, getting into super specific situations. So, yeah. Yeah. There's lots of harrowing anecdotes and you can find them um, anywhere you get your news. It is interesting too, when you're talking about learning about the Holocaust and um I was just watching, just watched this movie on Netflix, relatively new movie called Munich, The Edge of War, where it was exploring um, the days before World War II officially began and deals between, uh, or attempted brokerages of deals um, between um, England and Germany uh, before Winston Churchill took over. Um, and it was sort of like Hitler pushing into the Sudetenland and sort of, it was chilling because this is the first time I think I'd, I'd watched a movie where it really felt like there were such direct parallels to kind of the moment that we are in right now where we're trying. And, and I do feel like Putin shares some similarities in terms of a, uh, dictator committing, atrocities and looking to dehumanize um dehumanize his targets in the eyes of his um in the eyes of russian citizens and um russian soldiers um and there are so many ways in which academics have talked about how human rights atrocities happen it's sort of a, you build and build and build and then kind of it happens all at once and people really lose their humanity um the the attitude starts at the top from Putin and then other generals and other um, other people in the military and then um, it trickles down from there if that's if there's a certain attitude that is accepted and um, right now it seems like the war has gotten even more ugly um, because uh, Russians are seeking revenge they're disgruntled they're not making the progress that they thought um, and so they've been lashing out at citizens um, and um, it's gotten really grotesque um uh and i think there's a lot to be learned from obviously from studying history but it it just has been really weird to feel like we might be in a moment very similar to like 1939 in Mm -hmm. the uk it was just like i've never really watched a movie from world war ii and felt so um felt like it was so prescient (laughs) yeah it feel like it's an interesting part of the human condition where these things feel like history and we feel like we're learning lessons from history when we're taught about them, but we don't realize, even though, you know, you say you're doomed to repeat history, if you, but you don't realize just how on the nose that can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's this naivete, I think, when you're initially learning about certain things of like, oh, wow, that was so awful and we'll never do that again. Um, yeah. bad things will happen, but nothing ever like that. And of course, this isn't like an exact replica of the Holocaust, but there are, I mean, when you look at the war crimes specifically, um, there are, you know, awful things happening. And even though we're, again, we're not going to get into graphic details of, of anecdotal, of, of stories of individual people, 
um, it is still upsetting. Um, so there is a trigger warning of, around that. Um, and just some of the, some things to speak to, I think maybe first we'll talk about kind of the war crimes and we'll get into some other um, topics around it. But in certain areas where they're looking at people who have been killed, um, Ukrainians who've been killed, 90% of those people that they're finding, um, they were killed by gunshot wounds versus things like shrapnel. Um, and that's mm -hmm. really significant uh, because that obviously shows that they were murdered. They weren't a casualty in some attack that went wrong. Mm -hmm. That wouldn't be considered a war crime. That wasn't attempting to attack civilians. Um, you know, there have been lots and lots and lots and lots of people found with their, their hands bound um, and shot execution style. And that's about as, as graphic as I think we will be getting, um, you know, reports of Russian soldiers, soldiers going door to door in the suburbs, killing civilians people who live there. Mm -hmm. um, mass graves with satellite imagery confirming this and um, intercepts of Russian soldiers, uh, which I think are really uh, fascinating and oftentimes really awful. Um, where they're they being told to kill civilians or they're discussing it, discussing killing kids. Um, it's, I mean, there's just there are a lot of different uh, venues from which we are getting um, trustworthy information that lots of war crimes are being um, committed over there. Yeah. And another crime that has been well-documented is the sexual violence mm -hmm. that's been happening um, against uh, women. Um, a lot of women who have been found murdered. Um, it's been documented that they have been first raped. Um, just lots of different anecdotes there. Um, one just like instance where women were being kept in a basement for 25 days, nine of them are now pregnant. Um, you know, just like, uh, women and girls. Um, there's a couple of different places where there's been a lot of coverage. Um, one is Buka, um, and another is Mariupol. Um, the New York times has a lot of photojournalism from what happened in Buka. Um, but, uh, there have been about 400 bodies of civilians that have been found over the past, I think, week or two. Um, and, uh, a lot of them were 250 killed by bullets. Um, but others died from hunger, cold, lack of medicine and doctors. Um, and it's looking like that is, uh, there's an estimate, estimate that there were at least a thousand deaths kind of in the Buka region, um, from a variety of different, um, from a variety of different causes, but they've been overwhelmingly, uh, civilians. It looked like only two, um, members of the Ukrainian military were, um, found killed in, in Buka. Um, and that was, um, seemed like a sad, uh, <laughs> a sad instance of, um, when it, when the Russian soldiers were, uh, 
became clear they weren't going to take Kiev um, as they had planned. They were lashing out. So this was like a lot of vengeance killings. Um, so uh, that's being documented so that hopefully at some point there will be some, someone will answer for these crimes against humanity, um, these war crimes. Um, but they have to be well documented because as we were discussing um, maybe before we actually started recording, um, it's really hard to actually uh, prove and prosecute war crimes, um, which is sort of frustrating. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so yeah, that's that's Buka. And then there's Mariupol, um, which is a strategically important city for Russia to take. And recent, like re the most recent news says that they're basically poised to take it. And when they do, um, it will have been because they have uh, squeezed this city. They used uh, basically um, a siege tactic that's from medieval times where you, you know, they in, in this instance, they cut off, Russian military cut off all food, electricity, medical supplies, communication networks, indiscriminately was shelling the city, um, schools, hospitals, uh, including a theater where hundreds of people were taking shelter an art school where there were at least 100 there were at least 400 people hiding underground um civilian targets over and over um and uh ukrainians they they have held out in the city there have been repeated attempts to to take it and they you know they've they've held held strong um Russia has not been allowed. There have been daily attempts by human rights organizations to try to get in there to establish a humanitarian corridor to get people out. Um, Russia has not allowed it. I, don't, I think there have literally only been a few buses of people, and then there's random people who have been who have been able to escape for different mm -hmm. reasons. But um, overall, like, not many people have been able to get out of Mariupol, and we really don't don't know. The ex we don't know what's going on there, and um, but it's it's a really bleak picture. Bodies on the ground, um, people not being able to bury their family members. Um, the latest numbers say that ten thousand people have been killed in Mariupol or have died. Um, and recently, even like there's reports that uh, they've there's been um, mass movement of Ukrainians out of. Mariupol and like into Russia, um, which is which is actually a, a documented war crime. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So uh, there's just there is a lot there, and I, I think if Russia takes Mariupol, it's it it connects it creates like a land cor a land border a land corridor between the Donbas and the annexed Crimea on the east side, and it really gives them their first like major win of um, of this war and. Um, would just, uh, yeah, would would be really bad. Yeah, and it's, I mean, the fact that they've gotten to this point and haven't had a major win does speak to the strength of Ukraine, but that, that being said, um, there is so much power behind Russia, um, and the people of Maripol and surrounding areas have said, like, we need more, <laughs> like, we need more support and more help, um, because the United States and their allies have sent some, you know, some weapons and some, you know, anti-missile things and whatnot, but there's just a continued need for it because Russia keeps sending in reinforcements and, um, and whatnot. But 
the so in terms of people being moved there are these talks of filtration camps which we don't know a ton about um Zelensky and others have talked about them a bit publicly um but essentially people who are Ukrainian people who are captured are sent to these um filtration camps where they're interrogated um and by some accounts humiliated it's unknown how many people are killed there and who is released and why um but they're sent to siberia and the arctic circle for these um filtration camps it's not like they're sent to i mean anywhere they're sent they're sent Um, sent, (laughs) exactly but they're being displaced to really remote locations which Mm -hmm. adds to um the concerns around what is happening there. Um, there was also the, there was an attack on a missile strike on Friday at the train station, mm-hmm. um, a train station, in Eastern Ukraine that killed um, 50, at least 50 people. Um, and this was, people were at the train station. They're all civilians, um, women, children, and elderly people. I, it can be a whole episode as to why are we including women with children, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah that's its own it's like a relic of the way we discuss crimes right but it's yeah and it's we do even in ukraine it's like men of a certain age are expected to fight and so through the conventions if you're a woman you're a child or you a person over a certain age you should be safe mm-hmm. um but all of these individuals who were at this train station to escape the fighting um were hit by a missile strike uh, Russian officials denied responsibility as they have with a lot of this, which is also a big piece of it. Um, a lot of misinformation. Uh, Putin's approval rating is a lot higher than you think, um, even with you know any approval rating for Putin being not super trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because because <laughs> of how the whole the whole damn thing works, uh, but. <laughs> At this train station, they were literally trying to flee. There were civilians. Um, Russian officials denied responsibilities. They said that Ukraine actually fired the missile in a provocation. Um, But the United States, uh, not that the U.S. is the authority, but a third party, the the U.S., a senior Pentagon official, um, confirmed the belief that Russia did fire the missile and that they had originally claimed a successful strike and they only retracted it when there were reports of civilian casualties and negative, um, you know, public opinion around that. Mm. So basically they took credit and then, like, oh, people don't like that. That wasn't us. That was Ukraine. And there's a whole, we'll talk about it a little more, but there is a whole bunch of misinformation and there's so much limited information to what uh, Russian citizens can actually hear about the war in their own country. Yeah. I mean, he, Putin has really locked down the flow of information um, to such a degree. I mean, there really wasn't a whole lot of free press in Russia in recent years to begin with, but I mean, mm-hmm. like the BBC closed their last office. There's a penalty of 10 years for anyone even like calling this a quote war, like using that language. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it's, there's no, um, there's, 
no independent news. Um, the last independent newsletter letter in Russia suspended its operations, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and there's just so anyone speaking out um, really is like subjecting themselves and probably and their family to like retribution, um, jail, Siberia, death. I mean, there's no real protections for people um, in Russia. And so anyone speaking out, uh, and there are lots of people still speaking out, um, and there are some protests, but um, it's it's very chilling and it very, I mean, brave and maybe crazy for people to, uh, to be speaking out against Putin. Um, and it's scary because, you know, we know, we as <laughs> from the United States, we have a, we had a front row seat to the misinformation that Russia could inflict um, from our 2016 election and all the ways in which they they meddled um, and they wielded um, informa- misinformation and they used cultural divisions and they inflamed them um, specifically. Uh, so we know that they're really good at this. Um, and so I'm sure that within Russia, um, it, it doesn't surprise me that Putin is able to keep a relatively surprisingly high approval rating um when there's misinformation operating at full force and there's also just like across europe and 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 russia the i mean and kind of spurred by brexit and the u.s a few years ago there's all these super hyper nationalist um xenophobic trends that have just crept in and now um the nationalism is really uh it's it's taken root and it's it's going to be really hard to wipe out and it's particularly noxious in uh, Russia. Yeah, it's <clears throat> there are a lot of Russians who, in their world, Ru- Putin is a hero and Russia is doing. They're not at war. It's a special military operation. That's what they can call it to uproot far right extremists um, in a close neighborly country. Um, that has been pushed by the evil Western countries to turn against Russia and the Kremlin. Um, Like you said, the Kremlin has moved to silence independent media, forcing people to either leave, self-censor. They blocked access to Facebook and other social media, um, major foreign news outlets. Um, And then, yeah, there's a law that anyone who spreads what they deem false information is punishable um, with 15 years in prison. Thousands of people have been arrested for their protests, their anti-war protests. Um, And Putin's uh, approval ratings, I mean, there's this sort of the world is against us vibe and they're, they're getting information that Russia and Putin are, are doing the right thing and like fighting Nazis in Ukraine his yeah. approval rating is in um, the 80s and that's not from like Russian polls it's from outside independent polls where there still is you know a grain of salt because there's such fear in speaking out against Putin that even if a third party pollster came to you you might not um, speak honestly but that yeah. being said they were in the 60s in January the approval mm-hmm. ratings so it's a, tw- a 20 point jump so even if there is that skew, um, that that jump is happening. And there are a lot of stories about, because Ukraine and Russia are so, so close. Um, they share a lot of family and there are a lot of um, Ukrainians talking about how their parents or their siblings, their family, their friends in Russia 
don't believe them um, when they tell them what's happening or they believe that the things are happening, but not that Russia is doing it, that they're like Ukrainian actors doing it or, or other people doing it um, because they so much believe in, in Putin and in what is being told to them. Um, and even with, you know, you have social media and you have satellite images now, like, and those two things working in tandem to really corroborate a lot of these stories that in, in the back in the day might have been, you know, this story versus that story. We do have the evidence, but again, they're not being shown that in Russia. Right. So it's this huge disinformation, misinformation campaign, which seems to be a big crux um, nowadays all over the world, which is interesting in a time where we have more ways to disprove or prove things than ever. We also do have so much mis and disinformation because there's also ways, there are ways to fake things. Yeah. I mean, deep fakes are scary. Um, It's very Black Mirror. Um, Another thing that I didn't even think of in terms of um, assisting with uh, disinformation um, was brought up. I think it was Rachel Maddow yesterday. She was talking about um, GPS technology and how Russian, the Pentagon has reports uh, reported that the Russians are now jamming GPS um, in Ukraine. So that's affecting everything from disaster response um, vehicles and humanitarian missions to drones and maps um, and I didn't know this, but um, GPS technology is apparently mostly U.S. owned and operated in terms of the satellites. So we actually provide that technology, uh, GPS technology, to a lot of the world um, for free. Uh, But so if Russia is jamming our satellites or those systems, um, I wonder, um, and Rachel asked the question, like, is this going to provoke the U.S. getting more involved? Because ultimately, that's direct. That's a direct involvement um, with our with our systems. Um, so I don't know. That was just I hadn't even really considered that as a way of saying like you're kind of directly engaging with us, um, and you're you know we're at now a different we're we're ratcheting things up. I mean, that certainly is um, one way to aid messages you know, prevent messages that you don't want getting across and then aid in your own um, spread of misinformation. But um, just another kind of question. <laughs> yeah, because if we're not getting involved in the airspace because we don't want the world war, because that would stem from Russia doing something in that airspace that we had decided, then if, you know, these cyber attacks are happening and involving us, then in a similar vein, we would be involved. And does that start another world war, you know? That's it, it seems there may be a lot of ways to start a world war in 2022. <laughs> and hey, it's um it's pretty terrifying. I mean, as much as I and I really do, I think part of how why this is so hard on on people's hearts and souls here, um, just watching everything happen is is like it's very hard to watch this stuff and and know that we're not helping. Uh, we are helping, as you said, there are lots of ways, like the sanctions are helping calling out Russian oligarchs. Um, there are, and providing, um, uh, providing military supplies and vehicles and weapons. Um, that's all very helpful, but in terms of our direct involvement, like I understand why we aren't, but I'm all, I'm super conflicted because this is like, just shouldn't be allowed to stand. Um, but 
um, where was I even going with this? <laughs> I just get overwhelmed by thinking about it. Um, uh, I don't even know. I don't know where I was going. Um, there are many, oh, there are many places to go with this. Yes, I know what it was. Um, <laughs> the thinking about, um, many ways to start a war. Um, another thing that came out just today was the potential that there was a chemical attack, um, against Ukrainians in Mariupol. Um, mm-hmm. that is not confirmed. It's, it's a, it's a maybe, um, and, uh, it's just, it's hard to even test it right now, but, um, because Putin has a, seems to really like poisoning his adversaries and um, using, it. yeah, using chemical weapons, like, Mr. like Game of Thrones Cersei over there. Um, but I really, that does really uh, scare me in terms of like, what what might he try to, how, how might he unleash that on other parts of the world, the US, somewhere else? That's the thing. Yeah. You know, is it scary? Because it's, there doesn't seem to be an end to what he'll do. So it's, it's, it's so scary because you see the things that are happening in Ukraine and how devastating and disgusting and I I can't even find the word the words for them. Um and, and you see headlines about how Putin is considering or may use chemical warfare in Ukraine and maybe already has. And like you said that you apply that to where we are because think about like, oh, it'd be hard to <laughs> it'd be hard to nuke us because we have anti nuke uh you know, missiles and things, right? And you know, starting a nuclear war is a whole thing. But what if they were to start, you know, chemical warfare here or, or target multiple US like we don't we have no idea. And even if it isn't brought here, what's happening in Ukraine is enough. But it doesn't seem like the kind of thing where Putin would just stop, you know, right. there. Um, right. which Zelensky said in a lot of um, you know, historical commentators and experts have have said as well is it's not i mean one you should care right (laughs) even if it was just ukraine because that is so many human beings and it's Mm -hmm. every single loss is devastating um but when you consider the the global effect that this can and very likely in my opinion would have without more intervention uh, then again what an invention what do you do i don't know um I'm not a I'm not a war strategist. Uh, I'd rather us all just not, yeah, kill each other and be fine with that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, sometimes I really, it's it's so odd, you know, especially because like at the UN, I mean, the Security Council includes Russia, so like nothing can happen there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think. Uh, it's been the UN has is always the butt of jokes just because they're ineffectual and there's not a whole lot that like they don't really have any real power. It's all symbolic. Um, but I just wish that there was a way in which there, um, you know, the, the global community could actually going in, you know, in the next iteration of, I guess, like world communications, have, have there be some type of actual accountability, at the UN or some sort of council where um, there actually there's teeth to um, international law, um, you know, cause international law really isn't, it pretty much isn't a thing. And I think like there should be certain, like 
mm, there should just be certain things that like, wait, we, we can have some international laws and they can just be around human rights. Um, you know, right. and like, let's just begin there. Let's make it a little easier to prosecute human rights concerns. Um, and you should be able to kick people off the security council or, um, you know, different, uh, the human rights council, uh, if you're violating those things. Um, right. Yeah. Like not trying to regulate like super minute deets, just, no. you know, like war crime type things. Keep their rights abuses. Yeah. Keep their, some, some incentives to not be doing that. Um, yeah. I mean, I know it's, I know there's lots of complicated dynamics at play and there's energy dependence from Europe and, um, but it also does expose, I think, a lot of ugly things like the UK and, and you know, and the US and lots of lots of places have just been like low key, very cool with like oligarchs owning mm-hmm. major, major sports clubs and like like letting their kids just be at university, flaunting all their wealth, um, buying up properties, having their boats docked in fancy places and mm-hmm. like maybe if we know that the money is dirty like can we kind of clean up our own house here and not let this like it's amazing that people could just snap their fingers and be like oh we do know who the bad russians are <laughs> you're sanctioned it's like why didn't you do that before what, what were they up to before right. uh, <laughs> oligarching around uh. as they do yeah it is it, it also does speak to, I mean, the the power of the wealthy few. Um, every major event and an issue, I feel like um, you can extrapolate that from. But it's another one where, mm-hmm. God, do you, certain people need so much money? Can we just? Yeah, they don't actually. They really don't. Mm-mm. They don't. Um, in terms of how to help, I mean, I'm going to level with you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, there's only so much you can do uh, in a genocide. Um, yep. As it stands now, uh, there are places you can donate, and financial donations are the most helpful. Um, even if goods would be helpful, by the time they would arrive and get through what needed to be gotten through, mm-hmm. might not be helpful anymore. Um, so you can, you can look up where you want to donate to specifically, um, there's DEC, Ukraine Humanitarian Appeal, um, which provides all manner of humanitarian support. There's also all kinds of really cool organizations. Um, there's one called Project, uh, Project Dynamo that in general, they extract people from hostile places. Um, and since Russia's invasion of Ukraine, they've rescued more than 400 people and, which is amazing. And when you read about like the act, like the, there was a, like a U.S. veteran and his Ukrainian wife um, and there's six cats in, um, in Ukraine. And they were, she had COVID and they couldn't leave during evacuations. And this one person who worked with Project Dynamo made several attempts to go and rescue them. They were in a suburb uh, near Kiev that where civilians were just being murdered. Um, and eventually, after a lot of attempts, got them out. Um, and two of their six cats. Oh. I would have mentioned that. To, I, it was just like a detail that stuck with me. Was yeah, two of but six. <laughs> My heart. I'm sure they left lots of food. Um, yeah. But this is an organization that works like with individuals who are really, really stuck. That can't mm-hmm. really work with a lot of organizations mm-hmm. when it's too late. Um, 
And so I thought that was a really cool organization that saved some lives that otherwise probably wouldn't have been saved. Um, and in Poland, um, they've actually started something called what is it, Women Behind the Wheel, something like that. Um, women around Poland have been making, so they've been making trips to the Polish-Ukrainian border to offer rides to women mm-hmm. and their kids. Okay. Um, because of sexual trafficking and crimes against um, women that are happening and and children and women are being preyed upon in all of this. If you Um, are preying upon women and children fleeing a crisis, I would love for you to fall into a pit of vipers. Mm -hmm. I mentioned this earlier with fire and snakes and things. Yes. And then, spiders, I believe. Spiders and, and snakes. Spiders, and spiders. Poisonous. The addition of fire. Uh-huh. Black widows plus Certainly. cobras specifically. Yes. And then there's a fireball. And then you're in there. And that's what happens to you. I love this. Um, I love this journey. <laughs> mm-hmm. This imagination of, of, of where they go. It's a magical mystery ride. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's called Women Take the Wheel. <laughs> And essentially, it's women who provide rides to refugees who are arriving in Poland so that they have a safe um, way to get from place A to place B. And it started because of women recognizing um, the danger inherent in arriving to another country and having to rely on whoever. Yeah. Um, so it's it's been cool seeing these. Hu- I mean, obviously, every organization is started by people. Uh, but these organizations where you really see them started by the people in the places where they're trying to to affect the change um, and really making an impact um, for Ukrainian refugees because it's not as simple as deciding you want to leave. Um, mm-hmm. You need to help to get out the ability, and you need um, yeah, someone to get you to where you need to go. And it's not as easy for everyone to to do that. So, yeah. Those are some some places um, you can consider donating to, and again, the DEC Ukraine Humanitarian Appeal, or you can Google and um, find another reputable. There's a, a so many places that are doing good work. Yeah, um, a lot of people, uh, you know, some people. There was a whole movement of people who were um, booking like Airbnbs on Ukraine for direct aid. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but then thankfully. Airbnb. I went because I was sort of interested to see what that looked like, but I didn't want to take one because I thought, like, what if someone actually is looking for an air, like, not an Airbnb for fun, but for, like, mm-hmm. you know, trying to, like, I just was like, uh, you don't need, like, my fake booking. But mm-hmm. Airbnb also has, um, like, direct cash aid that they're, so if you are interested, I mean, there are lots of places, lots of apps where, like, they already have your credit card information. How How hard is it to just, like, you can donate through whichever is like literally the easiest. And um, for me, I, I, I gave through, um, through Airbnb initially. Um, But yeah, there are lots of other places and um, lots of reputable organizations in Poland specifically too. So um, uh, yeah. And then there's also, I mean, I, I am the last person that should be talking about this, Um, but I did read um, and uh, there's, there's a lot about how, um, cryptocurrency and bitcoin can really help um sure so you could google that and figure out how that how that helps but i'm pretty sure it has something to do with like 
the money being stable when you leave Ukraine and go into Poland. It's 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 the same. Your like your Bitcoin will will be the same outside of Ukraine as inside. Okay, that's the end of my Bitcoin knowledge. <laughs> what about Dogecoin? <laughs> I, oh my, Elon Musk. I don't know. <laughs> We've lost it. <laughs> We've lost it. That was it. It was a. It's gone now. <laughs> um. But yeah, so there are lots of ways to help and we have smart listeners and they mm-hmm. will be able to figure out, you know. Yeah. And well, also no real ways. And also, <laughs> so, that's but also some ways, but you know, it, do- it is important. It does make a difference to donate and to do, it really does. It, it's just, it does, but it's when it feels like, okay, are we moving Megalomaniac men are just doing things. So. Oh my God. I mean, the, initially, I think I saw and retweeted something where it was just like, these like all the horrors of the world are happening because of like the egos of small men. And I was just mm-hmm. like, that is really so true. It, it really sucks. Um, and I know that like too, I mean, we struggled to figure out how to talk about this or exactly when, you know, cause sometimes we'll pick a pop culture thing because it's just frankly like lighter and there we need to, you need to kind of rotate, but like this is, I mean, I, 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 it's really tough to wrap my brain around the, the, the expanse of the horror and like, how long is this going to last? And the fatigue of, I mean, trying to grapple with like, God, we came out of Trump. We went from Trump to COVID to a war in Ukraine that might turn into World War III. Um, COVID's still not gone and we're tearing mm-hmm. each other apart. Coming back. Look at those <laughs> numbers. I see you. <laughs> la, 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 la. <laughs> Um, and it's just like, there is such a fatigue, but, um, I think, and we'll, we'll, we'll come back to this topic, of course, but it's just important. I mean, like this, it's kind of like a big, like this, you know, it just, it matters. You have to like mark this and speak about it so that it stays in everyone's awareness i mean i think the most horrible thing would be that for this to fade away and it actually just spurred us briefly talking before we before we got on here about how we have to kind of circle back to um the horrors that are happening in afghanistan because that shit has gone downhill for women specifically so quickly Ooh, so quickly there's also like now that i'm listening to the bbc again more regularly um you know, it, they every day they do mention like, hey, there's a famine in Somalia that's really affecting children. And it's like, oh, my God. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff going on. And the, this war is only going to exacerbate other inequities. And it's also, unfortunately, um, diverted resources away from other places that need them. Um, so not to say, again, like I, I can't begin to parse through where to give aid. That's you know, where and how, um, just give (laughs) when you can, but it is sort of like an unending, like eddy of depression (laughs) when you're just start thinking about like, oh, well that, that, that takes away from this and this is going to trigger this. And, um, but, uh, yeah, uh, man, there's no real way to end it. (laughs) I wish. Yeah. (sighs) Maybe like if you have, I I know, if you have something specific that you want us to talk about with when it comes to um, the crisis in Ukraine, 
feel free to email us and we can, you know, there, there were so there are so many offshoots of, of, mm-hmm. uh, of this horrible situation that we could get into something in more detail, but this has just kind of been like, this has been a little overview. Yeah. The latest. Mm. And now for we see you. <sighs> Dr. Oz. Okay. Mm, mm. <laughs> yeah. I've hated him for some time uh but recently donald trump endorsed dr oz for the senate race in pennsylvania because this is a timeline uh where we live and i'm sorry Mm. um i just have one note that i wrote to myself people assume doctors are smart um (laughs) and there are certain uh certain things that you need certain skills you need to have certain types of intelligence you need to have to make it to the baseline of doctor and then from there, many doctors are very, very smart. But Dr. Oz, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and if he is, then he... If Dr. Dr. Oz is either smart... He can't be both smart and a good person because he is peddling bullshit and he has been peddling bullshit mm. for years and years and years. Um, in 2014, a team of medical researchers released a report um, proving that 60% of advice given on Dr. Oz's TV show lacked any scientific basis. Wow. Um, and <laughs> after that, thousands of doctors signed. There have been a lot of doctors writing letters about Dr. Oz, but <laughs> for that particular uh, occasion, um, over... 1300 doctors signed an open letter calling him a quack and a fake and a charlatan whose advice endangers patients. Um, he pushed hydroxychloroquine to fight COVID, even though its effects were unproven. Um, he's peddled a lot of unproven weight loss products and really, really pushed them, um, and gotten paid for that. Mm. Um, interesting, interesting. Uh, and, uh, it brings to the table the question of pseudoscience and legislation and mm. politics and yikes. <laughs> um, he actually, Dr. Oz in 2014 was called in front of the Senate subcommittee on consumer protection because of misleading uh, statements he made on his show, the Dr. Oz show. Um, and during the hearing, one Senator, uh, said that the scientific community is almost monolithic against you to Dr. Oz. <laughs> Um, because there are just so many examples over the years of things that he's not just things where he's been like, Hey, you know what? This is new science or burgeoning or this or that. He represents things as true or proven or correct. And there's no evidence backing them. And it's not one or two things. It's more than, more than half of the, (laughs) the sample from the 2014 study. And the fact that he is running for Senate, which again, that's not new. Um, he announced, I believe, in December of 2021, maybe November. Um, but this idea that we're going to put more celebrities who peddle, like, clearly known to be fake things. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's almost too on the nose that Trump is um, endorsing him. Of course he is. <laughs> Another yeah. famous liar. Yeah. Um, and like, is he going to, is fucking Dr. Oz going to be in the Senate in Pennsylvania? Is that going to happen? Like it might. <sighs> and I hate that. Um, I hate that. 
it's like, you know, so we see you to Dr. Oz for really just a career full of bullshit. Um, I'm sure people have, their health has suffered and have died because of Dr. Oz because he just, just says whatever he needs to say to cash in. Oh, God. We see you, little sneaky snake. We see you. Wow. Um, gross. Yeah, that feels like, <laughs> yeah, that could happen. That could happen. Um, all right. So it's tax time. Um, and I remember initially in my young twents thinking, oh, TurboTax is so like convenient and it's so nice you can file your taxes for free and they make it so thanks turbo tax <laughs> yeah they make it so easy like thanks um i just had like a harrowing tax filing experience on sunday for a variety of reasons you know i had it was less easy this year i had a 1099 to file in addition to regular job um and there were lots of, I just ran against, like, I ran up against different paywalls that I hadn't had before. I always paid for a certain amount of the TurboTax experience. It was never, it was never free, even though they always say it is free. It's only free for a certain segment and, like, you're not really getting the services. You basically have to pay. Um, and there were a couple of moments where it was like, oh, you, you literally cannot file your taxes for free, like, based on needing a 1099. You just can't. So it was like, here's, you have to pay 219 more dollars. And literally $400 later, I was filing my taxes. Um, it was awful. Um, and I was getting dinged for like late payments on the 1099, even though how would I have known that? Like, how was I to know this was my first time paying? And it was, I knew that I was going to have to owe taxes on this earned income I like had saved the money. I had been keeping it aside. And then it was like, oh, but this is like delayed. So you have to an extra $125 fine. And it's like, you, no one, there is nowhere is that information. Like it literally doesn't exist. Anyone telling you that. So, so that was all infuriating. But then, and then of course I noticed that, um, sweet Elizabeth Warren, um, is on the case. Uh, and she, was referring people to ProPublica articles over the last few years where they basically talk about how uh, the um, TurboTax has spent millions and millions of dollars lobbying Congress over the last like 20 years to make it harder for people to file their taxes, to make it like so that they can pro create the maximum profit, they have um, tried to keep the IRS as like inefficient as possible and the whole system as inefficient as possible. Um, one of the, uh, let's see, like in the one of the ProPublica articles, they talk about how from the beginning into it, which is part of TurboTax, recognized that its success depended on two parallel missions, stoking innovation in Silicon Valley while stifling it in Washington. Indeed, employees ruefully joked that the company's motto should actually be, quote, compromise without integrity. Um, there were all these different um, encroachment tactics to make um, – any type of IRS initiative to make t filing taxes easier, um, something that there was no incentive for the IRS to actually do. Um, there's been many, um, there's actually been, I didn't even know this, but there were lots of actual like proposals um, to create IRS tax software and a, or a return free tax system. And they've all been stopped. Um, in 2007, there was a confidential PowerPoint presentation from an Intuit 
um, board of directors meeting, um, which included um, buying ads, <coughs> editorials, bless you, stories. Sorry, um, I, meant, I thought I <laughs> muted it. <laughs> Bring over the mute and muting it as I sneeze, but I, I missed the click. I apologize. Oh my gosh, no problem. Um, yeah, just basically like really um, – they, uh, TurboTax would stand to lose, obviously, a lot of their profit if there was a free file system, which the IRS has actually had um, for about 17 years. <laughs> um, and the frustrating thing, and this is like, it's funny because the uh, there have been many jokes on TikTok over the years or, or over the years, over the last couple of years where people are like setting up a joke where basically it's like you, there's one person asking the IRS like, okay, um, tax time, like, do you know how much I owe? And the IRS is like, yeah. <laughs> and then the person's like, well, that's great. How much do I owe? And the IRS is like, I'm not going to tell you. You have to figure it out. And then the person's like, okay, well, can you help? They're like, no. And then the person ends up being like, okay, but what happens if I get it wrong? And the IRS is like, you might go to jail. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it is like really fucked up, especially because most other countries don't have systems like this. You just, you are told how much you owe in taxes and you pay, you pay those taxes. And it's sort of ridiculous that we have to go through different third party vendors and pay different levels of money for different levels of protection um, to file taxes, which we are obligated to file. Um, and so I just wasn't aware of, and I, of course, this feels like, obviously, I don't know why I wasn't aware of this, um, but uh, just the the lengths and the money and the lobbying that the, that Intuit has gone to to keep the IRS from actually working efficiently and providing online filing to millions of Americans when they have the systems, they actually have the software, they know what they would do. They they certainly are aware of how much you how much everyone owes in taxes. Um, and they, um, they've lobbied so that there's inefficiency in, in the government. So it's, it's frustrating to me too, because it, uh, there's a lot of like free market and, um, I think like libertarian ideals of what, um, big businesses and Silicon Valley does to make everything more productive. And it's like, I think something that's insidious that we all stand to uh, would stand to benefit from if we remembered is that a lot of these companies have a lot of money and slush funds where they can then use um, their funds to lobby Congress when we don't have anyone working for, you know, the little guy has no one advocating for them. Um, and so the lawmakers just do what um, Intuit wants and ha and they've been doing what Intuit wants for the last 20 years. Um, so this is, this is, infuriating um and uh i there are lots like the the propublica has a lot of really frustrating um uh little details like they're actually like their free file page um because there's there is an element of it that's free but they actually hid that from search engines like google so it made it harder for people lower income people to find it if they were looking for the free um free filing um and um sneaky. yeah like super super sneaky um and i um there are lots of lots of sneaky shady stuff but i ultimately i also i i um i think we can we can blame both silicon valley um and intuit and blame the government because they shouldn't be so susceptible to lobbyists and the irs like it's super frustrating cuz as we've seen um this is kind of a separate thing but um 
every time that like the Democrats have tried to just basically fund the IRS fully, like, and so that they can actually enforce what the laws that are on the books, the, the Republicans don't agree to even pa- pass that. And it's, it really drives me crazy because it feels like, um, for a party that's all about law and order, like you're, there's a segment of the population that you actively continue to push, um, to allow like the wealthy to not have to be accountable, um, to pay their fair share of taxes. And that, that drives me crazy just from my normal liberal bleeding heart perspective, but also because, um, it's just ridiculously hypocritical. It's like the law only applies to certain people and certain segments of the population. And then for everyone else, you're actively working to, um, allow the IRS to basically look the other way and just defund them and defang them so that they, they're going to focus their majority of their attention on people on, on like small, small fries, small people who have made small incomes and, um, are still going to get fucking audited. Meanwhile, like we have lots of Silicon Valley people, bank owners and corporate gluttons who no one is looking at their patterns of tax, uh, fraud. So fuck that. And, um, we see you to Intuit and TurboTax, and I'm just disgusted by everyone. We see you. <laughs> yeah, we see it's. They're just. They're just given permission to to prey on, <laughs> to prey on people, pretty much. Yeah. There's no need. No. All right. <laughs> Moving over to YouTube. <laughs> uh, Cole and Savannah LeBron, oh. um, who are YouTubers, you may have heard of, listener, because I guess they have over 13 million subscribers. Um, they apparently historically have faked a wildfire evacuation and allegedly um, <laughs> and convinced their daughter for a fun prank. They gave away her dog. Wow. Yes, these are like fun YouTubers. Um, In an almost 40-minute video, 38 minutes, titled Abortion, parentheses, lowercase d, documentary. Oh. Um, oh. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't a documentary, actually, but (laughs) they put the word in the title, in parentheses. Um, They released a bunch of anti-abortion propaganda over the course of the 40 minutes. Um, Mm. There is a point where they, on the screen, they have a very dramatic <coughs> fade where they show the numbers of lives lost in the Rwandan and Cambodian genocides, lives lost in the Holocaust, and then they show the number of abortions that have happened around the world um, wow. and, you know, are making the, the connection that it's... Powerful. Mm-hmm, a genocide. <laughs> they are saying that this uh, safe and currently constitutionally protected <laughs> oh. uh, healthcare procedure is comparable to genocide. And the video that these two uh, YouTubers made, they made it in collaboration with Live Action, the oh. nonprofit that made those debunked, misleading fucking uh sting videos about planned parenthood wow uh, it's been a minute since i was forced to think about yeah they're the one that yeah that that uh, led to a congressional investigation mm. um so they're working with youtubers now and youtube did eventually demonetize the video but they kept it up um oh my God. 
Yeah, and so it's a we see it a cold Savannah LeBron for creating this content, but it's also I just harrowing and spooky to me that and of course this is happening but that these groups like live action are partnering with youtubers that have Mm -hmm. 13 million subscribers of everyday uh, americans or whoever's and uh it it just seems like it's going to be a really effective way to peddle misinformation once Mm -hmm. you lock into a familiar face that people trust um yeah. So it's really not the influencer moment I'm looking for. No, not so um, much. <laughs> yeah, it, it it feels God it really feels like we're on the, the the crest of the wave of all kinds of awful things. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> we see you two, Colin Savannah LeBron, um, and bracing myself for the uh, continuation of this trend and the future of. Uh, anti-abortion influencers <laughs> oh god yeah oh okay well then i'm gonna re- quick rearrange my we see you just to go off of that my we see you my next we see you is gonna be the um the just we are careening into very 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 depressing dangerous and um, regressive territory when it comes to women's reproductive health, as we have alluded to and discussed, and many times we're going to continue. It's it's just the beginning. Um, you may have heard about Lizel Herrera, um, who uh, was initially charged with murder uh, last week. A woman in Texas uh, was charged with murder for a self-induced abortion. Um, details were spotty in terms of like, did she help or did she actually was she the one with? Um, the self-induced abortion. Um, she it now will not face uh, prosecution, but um, this 26-year-old was arrested last week and um, was in custody Saturday on a $500,000 bond in Star County Jail in Rio Grande um, City for uh, allegedly, quote, ca- causing the death of an individual by self-induced um, abortion. Um, so, but it's just like totally... I mean, it's it's chilling because I think a lot of women are going to see this and worry that they are next, especially in Texas and in Oklahoma, where which I'll get to. Um, but it's just like totally unclear um, what exactly the like the murder charge. You know, were they really going to um, ha- like how they were actually going to prosecute that? Because Texas law does exempt her from a criminal homicide charge for aborting her own pregnancy, according to um, law professors at the University of Texas who were quoted in, in the article from CBS. Um, the, the state law does ban abortions for women um, as early as six weeks. Um, so there's that. But um, uh, anyway, it, it was just like a really chilling thing to see. I'm glad she's not going to be prosecuted. I think maybe like the Star County morons realized like, oh, we actually don't know what we're going to be charging her with. Um, but I, I, I'm sure they'll get it together to figure out exactly how to prosecute these in the future. Um, and so this is just the first, I think, um, of many sort of distur- a disturbing trend. We should keep a lookout, especially in Texas and Oklahoma. Um, Oklahoma now actually has the most restrictive um, ban in the country now actually surpasses Texas. It is a near total um, abortion ban. There are no exceptions for rape or incest. Um, it The only exception is um, in the event of a medical emergency. Now, of course, there's absolutely no language as to 
who defines the medical emergency um, and when that is like when a woman, uh, you know, is able to make that determination or like, LOL, if, it, if the woman even is or if it's her doctor or God damn it, maybe it's the police or a priest who fucking knows. Um, anyway, um, this is uh anyone uh it's it's been it passed today and it makes performing an abortion or attempting to perform one a felony punishable by a maximum fine of a hundred thousand dollars or a maximum of 10 years in state prison or both um and uh it allows private citizens it uses the same um sort of uh, framework that Texas does, which by the way, this, this l- framework of putting together a law is shocking. And the Supreme court is so derelict, uh, derelict in their duties to allow this, to allow these laws to continue to um, proliferate across the country, because it's any, any law that allows a private citizen to be the one in charge of, um, suing another private citizen, and then they can recoup their own legal costs. It's just like vigilante legal justice and um you know if you're a conservative listening and you're like hey, hey, hey just ask yourself if blue states started imposing this type of a law against people who had guns so then like private citizens in blue states could just like secretly report um the status of other people who um have a second amendment right to hold a gun but like maybe you just say mm, we have they never got the proper that maybe the gun doesn't have a license. Maybe it's a ghost gun. Maybe they never got the proper, um, you know, paperwork, blah, blah, blah. They bought it from a gun show. They used a loophole that's illegal. Um, and if I win, by the way, I get all my legal fees recouped and win $10,000. So like, and I got time on my hands. Um, you know, it's just like, it is an absolutely untenable way to structure laws. It's just not the way that the law laws in the, this country or really any country are supposed to work. Um, but anyway, this is all about, like, this is about women. This is about control of women, as we always know. Um, it's super dangerous. Abortions will continue to happen in Oklahoma and Texas. Um, and it's just going to cause a lot of harm to, to women. Um, and, uh, also worth pointing out that Oklahoma uh, has is in the bottom five states in terms of um, maternal mortality in the country. So um, spare me literally any thought about like any any ridiculous statement about how this has to do with the sanctity of life or family or motherhood. Like you obviously don't give a shit and fuck you mm-hmm. and we see you. <laughs> exactly. Um, Alrighty. <laughs> so I learned. Thanks, NPR. Um <laughs> that gig workers um are killed a lot more often than i realized so more than 50 gig workers have been killed while driving for lyft uber and doordash according to a new report from yeah from the advocacy group gig workers rising um and this doesn't mean like they were in a car accident or happened to have a heart attack while they were working. Now, these are people who are literally murdered by either passengers or passerbys while working. Um, so more than I, I did not realize that that was such a thing. Um, and unlike regular employees, gig workers, families don't receive compensation like survivor benefits when they've been killed while on the job so for example there's this young woman bella lewis who was shot by a random um lift passenger um when she was driving and her family had to pay for the funeral for the burial um to clean the blood off the car that she was driving like literally everything 
Um, and these companies don't offer any kind of compensation or, you know, to the, to these families in these instances, which I understand that gig workers, <laughs> we don't get, we, I mean, I'm not currently a gig worker, but gig workers in general don't get a, a lot of, um, rights, but this is one in particular that's just so disgusting to think about. You're killed on the job and your family is left to, to pick up the pieces. Um, and it's also funny, not funny, haha, but that in this, in this country that's so like against communism, very capitalist, it's like, well, let's depend on the shared economy. <laughs> like, yeah. Do you realize what's happening? Um, but I mean, the fact that people are forced to take these these gig jobs not as oh a fun way to make extra money, but as a means to live, and then if they're killed on the job, their families are left to pick up the pieces is so disgusting. Um, so we see you. There's Lyft had said something about how like oh they're it's just not in our insurance. Oh. Then I think you have the power. Yep. To create a policy where if someone is killed in the course of the job that they're and i'm sure you have the money for it too um so we see you and do better just do better do so much better oh my god do the bare minimum someone like speaking of just like shady lyft and uber practices had screenshotted from today um was trying to get a subway uh, trying to get an uber out of sunset park and of course what did uber do they surge priced it <laughs> prices wow. are slightly higher due to increased demand yeah i bet they are you fucking That's assholes evil. oh my god <sighs> anyway um all right so this final we see you is um and i i want to spend like a whole episode at some point like go rehashing this but um jared motherfucking kushner (laughs) um so new reporting has come out basically about uh the real the close relationship between jared kushner and muhammad bin salman a lot of this we already knew we already um knew that um jared basically pushed Trump to make um, his first trip in the, from uh, his first trip as president to the Middle East and to meet with Mohammed bin Salman. And they hosted him at the White House and um, they, they've had private, lots of private calls. Um, so, and, and they did this over objections from other administration officials uh, in the Trump administration, which is like lol. Um, and apparently, like, they st- Trump and Mohammed bin Salman stayed up until nearly 4 a.m. several nights swapping stories and planning strategy. Um, so this is all uh, before the 2018 murder, at, um, which Mohammed bin Salman um, orchestrated of, uh, like, knew about, actively orchestrated of the Washington Post journalist um, Jamal Khashoggi in the Turkish, uh, in Turkey at the uh embassy saudi saudi arabian embassy in turkey um if you need a refresher he was um murdered brutally dismembered there um when he was just going to get um a visa that he needed and his wife was outside waiting for him so um 
she was waiting and waited until 1 a.m. And it's like, well, he got just like murdered. And that was documented. And that was known very, very quickly by the international community, by um, U.S. intelligence. It was confirmed. And Kushner just continued to be really good friends with MBS. They swept it under the rug. They really protected MBS from um, real international consequences. Um, all the men who murdered Khashoggi, um, we know who they are, and they are all alive and well. And I think the case was recently just like fully dropped. They were allowed to leave Turkey, um, extradited back to Saudi Arabia. There's going to be no um, real consequences for them for this highly publicized, atrocious murder of a journalist. Um, I, it's still it's so appalling to me. Um, so Kushner contend, you know, continues to defend Mohammed bin Salman, um, but uh, and and um, he at one point even said in 2020 he dismissed Khashoggi's murder as um, quote one of a couple of missteps by MBS, but praising um, him as a very good ally. A anyway, misstep. <laughs> mm. Mm. So we found out recently through new reporting um, that. Uh, Kushner has been um, trying to get investments for a $7 billion private equity fund, despite having no prior experience managing a private equity and um, almost bankrupting his family real estate company by purchasing um, an office building in New York for $1.8 billion. And he like uh, literally mismanaged, he, like how do you mismanage um, a building that's on Fifth Avenue? Like the checks write themselves, but he, he did. Um, and anyway, so now um, the Saudi Public Investment Fund, which is controlled by MBS, um, it turns out uh, actually agreed to invest $2 billion in his private equity fund, despite the fact that the people who are supposed to vet these investments on the Saudi, the Saudi side um, said that they objected and they said, quote, the, ex the inexperience of the... Um, the inexperience of the affinity fund management, the possibility that the kingdom would be responsible for, quote, the bulk of investment and risk, um, due diligence on the fledgling firm's operations that found them, quote, unsatisfactory in all aspects, um, a proposed asset management fee that, quote, seems excessive, and, quote, public relations risks from Mr. Kushner's prior role as a senior advisor to his father-in-law, former President Donald J. Trump. Um, anyway, they uh, they recommended strongly against giving the money to Kushner, and um, MBS overruled that recommendation and gave him $2 billion. Um, so the firm's going to get um, an annual commit. Kushner's firm will receive an annual commission of 1.25% on this investment, about $25 million for managing this giant amount of money with what they're going to do with it. Who fucking knows? And um, they also receive a percentage of, of the profits. Um, so this is like, it's just obvious that, um, you know, Kushner was advancing his own in interests throughout um throughout the Trump Trump's administration. And now we explicitly know why he just got $2 billion in, in funding. And um, while I don't have this tab open right now, um, the sec former Trump Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin also got $1 billion from MBS recently hmm. for something that he he wanted. So and he had made a bunch of last minute like trips right at the end of Trump's presidency to Saudi Arabia, I think, in the final days um, on the taxpayer dollars. So we have all these grifters advancing their personal um, their own personal wealth. Um, and this is just like I mean, all this stuff comes out there's things like this that come out frequently, but this is just one of the more one, the, well, the ones that I find so disgusting. Again, if I'm piling people into my 
pit of snakes and spiders and flames, um, Krishner, to be clear, would also be um, going in there. Um, yeah. So we He's see invited. you to Jared Kushner, you disgusting, disgusting, cowardly little man. <sighs> God, ugh, these VCUs, they fire, fire me up. <sighs> Trash. Okay, well, the good thing um, for today is uh, that uh, Americans can add an X for gender neutral um, on their passports, which honestly, in a world that is like, as we've discussed, the theme of today is careening, careening. Um, I'm pleasantly surprised that this slipped through. Um, I, I kind of can't believe we haven't heard from like Ted Cruz on this, or maybe I've just effectively filtered out his squee little voice <laughs> ted cruz is busy with the racist babies yes that's or the right. not racist babies or i'm not ted Bad cruz babies? is busy Maria. he's busy with the top yeah the top thing too busy but no this is i mean this is good news um it's affirming it <laughs> recognizes human beings that previously could not accurately identify themselves um on their identities, on their legal documentation. Um, so it's definitely a move in the right direction, which is important when we see all of these attacks on people who are who are trans or who are gender non-conforming, who are non-binary. Um, so it's a, a win in a place where wins are needed. Um, and yeah, I mean, win feels a little... I know. Woohoo! Like, um, there's so many working to, you know, dismiss um, people's humanity. Yeah. But again, good thing. It to be positive. It is. It is a a good thing that this exists. Um, yeah. Yay! Yeah. And Yay. oh, and Britney Spears is pregnant, which she's said yeah. she wants. So. Yeah. Congrats. That's good. Happy for her. To Brit as well. Ah, <laughs> oh, good. Well. Feminists Without Mystique is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.com slash podcasts.